Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, with the NHL world gathered in Buffalo for the scouting combine, we had our first major trade of this offseason, and the fallout could affect the Ottawa Senators. And we continue our NHL draft prospect profiles with three more players today, possibly the fastest player in this class and our first defenseman. All coming up on today's edition of the Locked On Senators podcast, and it's brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL. And when you enter promo code locked on NHL, they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. I use mine to go for coffee every single day. Get yours to birddog.com. Locked on NHL is the promo code. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 815 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains, please like and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube where we are not only just posting our episodes, but each individual player profile as we lead up to the NHL Draft. Pillsy, the NHL Draft is on June 28th, and by then there will be more than 70 player profiles on our channel yep absolutely can't wait to continue going through these players and uh, as we get closer and closer to our 70th we're gonna have a lot of draft content for you guys so you can be prepared for draft day and if you are just listening wherever you download your podcast on the weekends we are gonna put up four youtube exclusive player profiles those are not the rankings rankings will be monday through friday We are going to try to guess Senators' tight prospects. We need to get the 108th overall pick nailed, Pillsy. If we can call that, we can call anything. Uh, Yeah, but Ross, we haven't had a whole lot of success nailing any Ottawa Senators' draft picks other than Tim Stutzla and Jake Sanderson. We were were right on those. Heck yeah, we were. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, we'll get to the draft talk in a little bit, but first... Huge trade right after we finished recording yesterday. It's a three-team trade. The Los Angeles Kings gave up a lot, it felt like, to get rid of Cal Peterson's contract. They got also get rid of Sean Walker, who was at times rumored to be on the move to Ottawa last year before the Senators ultimately pulled the trigger on a much better player in Jacob Trickens. So Sean Walker and Cal Peterson are going to Philadelphia with a ton of futures, draft picks, and prospect Hellier Grands, who's speaking of draft profiles, we did his back in 2020. Good play. But the Columbus Blue Jackets are getting Ivan Provorov, who I think is more known for his off-ice decision of not wearing the pride jersey than he is of what he's done on the ice in the last number of years. He's a former high top uh, 15 pick, top lottery pick in the NHL, but the more for more on that, like go check out Locked On Flyers, go check out Locked On Blue Jackets. They've got you covered on that. Our angle on this is Philly just got a goalie. 
they're clearly going to a rebuild with Daniel Briere at the helm. And that makes Senators fans look at Carter Hart, who's one year away from being an RFA, but at a $3.9 million cap hit, saying, could there be a fit? And Pilsy, where there's smoke, there seems to be fire, at least with the fact that the Flyers are listening on Carter Hart. Yeah, it's been reported that uh, that trades are in the works for Carter Hart, how close they are. It doesn't seem like they're very close right now, but it seems like the Philadelphia Flyers are actively trying to move Carter Hart at this moment. And this is an interesting move because this Philadelphia team, I feel like the last couple of years, they've been in a weird spot. Like they don't have the guys to really go for it, but also They haven't been tearing it down and they do have some young talent that's coming through the system that could help them get to the playoffs. But I think at this point, the Philadelphia Flyers have never really rebuilt, at least in my memory, like it doesn't really happen. So I think they're bringing in all these new executives and I think they just got to look at things and be like, it is time to fully rebuild. But shipping out Provorov is the first of many steps. Like I think there's three or four more guys they got to ship out to fully rebuild. And those guys aren't necessarily blockbuster names like, uh, like the Ottawa Senators had to move out. Yeah. Kevin Hayes is a big one. Carter Hart. uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Konechny and Couturier. Uh, Those, those players I feel like are, you know, you got to have somebody stay there. And I feel like those might be the guys, but they've given out big contracts. You look at Rasmus Ristolainen, you look at um, the Ryan Ellis contract, which Ryan Ellis, unfortunately, has been a failure for the Philadelphia Flyers, mostly due to injury. Yeah, it's all due to injury concerns. So that's not on him, really. He's played four games with the Flyers. Yeah, so... They've got a lot of pieces that they need to move if they really want to tear this down. But you got to start with moving the players that teams actually want. Uh, I think Provorov was someone that the Columbus Blue Jackets are looking at him being like, hey, he doesn't have to be the top guy here. We've got Zach Wierenski. We've got up-and-coming prospects that can be top four guys. He just needs to be our number four guy. And I think that's the kind of pressure that Provorov can handle and leaving Philly, I think will be a good thing for him getting to a bit of a smaller market. So I think honestly, Ross, I think we should see three team deals more often because I feel like every team got what they needed in this transaction. Yeah, to an extent, but what are the Sens going to get out of it? Do you think that they are a realistic destination for Carter Hart? I think so for sure. Yeah, the Ottawa Senators are looking for a goalie. And if, you're, if you've are if you been following moves that the Ottawa Senators are doing, they're looking for players that are under team control, whether that's an RFA like Alex Dabrinkat or someone that's already signed for a couple of years like Jacob Chikrin. So Carter Hart has one more year and then he'll be an RFA. So that's good, both good and bad because we thought Dabrinkat being an RFA was a, was a good thing. But now we're seeing that just because you have his rights doesn't mean something's going to get done in a timely matter. I mean, mind you, the Ottawa Senators sale is still up in the air, so that could play a big part in this. But I think with Carter Hart, you're you're still taking a risk because he hasn't been great lately. But then you have to look at, well, I mean, that Philadelphia Flyers team has not been great lately, so you can't put it all on a young goaltender. And sometimes goalies, they start out hot. They lose their momentum, and then they figure it out again. Sergei Bobrovsky is the perfect example. He was one of the best goalies in the league. Didn't he win? It wasn't back-to-back, but he won two Vesnas, right? Correct. Yeah, so he won two Vesnas, and then essentially he became 
barely a backup goalie in Florida. And now he's the biggest reason they're in the cup finals. So it's very interesting to follow the career path of goalie, but I believe in Carter Hart. I think he, he is still a good goalie. I think a change of scenery could do him a lot of good too. Yeah, I think so too. Um, the reason why I'm probably out on him, at least for now, is the uncertainty. He was obviously on that 2018 yeah. Canadian World Junior team. And um, the Senators obviously have two players and Alex Formanton and Drake Batherson who are on that team as well. And until the investigation concludes, I just kind of stay stay away from any possible implications uh, with that. So for that reason, I'm out. And also reading David Pagnotta on Twitter today, he mentioned that during the season, the LA Kings and Nashville Predators were discussing the framework for a UC Saros deal. And we've also heard Connor Hellebuck's name out there. It just feels like if the Sens are going to take a swing, I'd rather they just go like a big, big swing. Whereas for, for Carter Hart, like that aside, what I had just mentioned for the player itself, like this seems like a reclamation project. This wouldn't be a trade where it's like to or it so, or someone else. Like this would have to be like a buy low situation where you feel like you can rehabilitate the player into the first round talent that he was at the draft. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not bending over backwards to make sure Carter Hart's an Ottawa Senator. I'm not bending. I'm not like offering too much. And uh, Daniel Briere, clearly his first trade pretty good. He moves out. Ivan Provorov who had some off ice issues. So you almost wonder like when it's like your first couple moves, when you're a GM and you'd been a part of the organization peripherally before. And it's like, these are the guys who I want to get rid of right away. It yep. kind of makes me pause for thought. It's like, wait, but, but why? why? Why do you want to get rid of a 24-year-old goalie? When, like when you're rebuilding, it's like, hey, three, four years from now, if he's an RFA, like he, wouldn't he be in his prime when you're starting to compete? It just nothing. Something doesn't seem to be adding up here for me unless there's a, a trade request, which has not been reported. So that's why I'm kind of uh, – I'm staying woke on this one, Pilsy. Yeah, and those are all fair concerns. Like, yeah, how often does top-round talent goaltender that has good NHL experience be shipped out when he's still in RFA? It doesn't happen very often. And you mentioned uh, looking at Saros and Hellebuck. Well, yeah, those are big swings. Big swings cost you big assets. So you're looking I at... Trade, I would trade so much for UC Saros, like way more than Hellebuck, because he signed at $5 million for two more seasons. Like, yep. And Nashville has uh, Askarov. So, like, they do have kind of a plan B and Big is time. Askarov ready at this point? And what's Nashville doing? They kind of sold, but then made a push towards the playoffs. But he would be like my number one option that, like, I would probably trade Debrinket plus for, for UC Saros. Yeah. I'm, well, especially without a contract, right? That definitely uh, devalues uh, Debrinket. But I, I think Saros is probably the top candidate as well. Like, I would agree with you there. Uh, He's a damn good goalie. And the thing is, he's a good goalie for being a small goalie, which means he doesn't just rely on size. He has those extra skills. So and athleticism is ridiculous. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. So I sense fans saw firsthand. I'm pretty sure he got a shutout in Ottawa last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The sense struggle up against Nashville, it seems like. Um, so I think Carter Hart is an interesting option, but I don't think that should be where Pierre Dorian prioritizes acquiring a goalie 36 save, 38 save shutout for UC Saros in Ottawa yeah. this past season it was a three nothing game on January 9th in front of 13,000 at the Canadian tire well UC Saros effectively stopped 
the predators from tearing it down and rebuilding like they were they were pushing to do that and then he basically led them to a spot where they could be competing for the playoffs and they're like well we can't tear it down now so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there because I think Barry Trotz is going to try to put uh, his imprint on that team very quickly and no better way than shipping out a star goalie on a good contract. Yeah, but what you'd get back for it is what would be exciting for yes. Barry Trotz. Yeah, and Nashville's got some prospects coming up. Like, they, there's some excitement there. Trade season is here. Make sure you're locked on Senators wherever you download your podcast. Also available on YouTube. You can also follow the show on social media at SendCentral and LockedOn.Senators on Instagram. We want to wish a happy birthday to a friend of the show, Baby Shark. Igor Sokolov is 23 years old. Still in RFA, this guy needs a contract. This guy needs a chance to play NHL minutes next season from day one. Let's go. Big summer ahead for Igor Sokolov. Happy birthday, brother. We're excited. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think it's probably, we've probably put this out there. He's coming to Ottawa, spending the whole summer in Ottawa. He's going to grind it out and be ready to go day one of training camp to make that team. So happy birthday to Igor Sokolov. Absolutely. Yeah. Happy birthday, Igor. And uh, yeah, Ross, he's going to be spending his time in the summer with a disher, a disher and a shooter living together. Stephen Halliday and Igor Sokolov uh, living together in Ottawa. So that's that's exciting for both of those guys. Heck yeah. Halliday will be taking part in Sen's development camp. Igor Sokolov will not be. So uh, Halliday's going to stay with him, I believe, for a month or something. So he's going to be here for a little while. We'll see if maybe we can line up a live interview. When we're in Ottawa, the trip is in early July. Development camp, all that great stuff. We'll have more details on that as things develop. Let's get in to some draft profiles. As Pilsy mentioned, it's our first defenseman, and there hasn't been a draft since 2003. That's 19 straight drafts where a defenseman has gone in the top five. We don't have a defenseman in our top 10. Is David Reinbacker going to go higher? Than where he is in our rankings. We'll discuss that and a couple of offensive driven forwards next on Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs. Yes, I still love my Bird Dog shorts. I don't know about you, Ross, but the thing with these Bird Dog shorts is the versatility. And that's what I want to touch on first because that's my favorite part. You can wear them to the beach you can wear them going for a hike you can wear them out on a date you can wear them meeting up with your friends for a barbecue whatever the case is in the summer if you are looking for a comfortable versatile pair of shorts you gotta go with bird dogs and so i talked about the comfort the versatility but the fit is also awesome i got the seven inch inseams i want to get a little tan on my legs this summer ross so i got uh i went with the seven inch instead of the nine and they come in so many cool colors and i love the liner that's in them it makes it so comfy throughout the summer so don't just take my word for it. Get your own pair of bird dog shorts, pants, or they even got polos now. So they got you covered from uh, top to bottom here for this summer. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NHL and enter pro- promo code locked on NHL. If you do that, they're going to throw in a free customs bird dog Yeti style tumbler with every order. So guys, check it out. Birddog.com slash locked on NHL. Wear your bird dogs this summer. 
Today's episode is also brought to you by Shawarma Palace. You know Shawarma Palace. It's my happy place. All seven locations are great in Ottawa. You're never too far away from one. And make sure you're following them online. Yesterday, they had a great note because obviously the smoke in Ottawa right now from the wildfires coming down from Quebec is is really affecting the air quality. So Shawarma Palace opened their doors. Well, not literally. They don't want the smoke coming in. But they invited everyone to come in and take shelter because they are a community driven location they also can fuel fill you with great size portions with the freshest ingredients i wish i could say it's hyperbolic but it's not i literally dream of shawarma ballast i dream of their platter the extra garlic the potatoes the nice fresh salad that contrasts the roasted potatoes is so good and then the chicken oh my god the chicken the halal chicken right off of the spit and you have it right over a bed of rice. The hummus is in there. The olive oil. They put the little paprika on there. It's so good. It's all at Shawarma Palace. Or if you don't want to go outside today, make sure you order them on Uber Eats. They'll bring it right to your door. So go check them out at any of their Ottawa locations. I cannot tell you enough how great Shawarma Palace is. Not only to the community of Ottawa, but to us as well. They're great sponsors of ours. We appreciate them. So go let them know that Locked On Senators sent you and go eat today. Eat like a royal. Eat at Shawarma Palace. All right, Pilsy, Locked On Senators. You can also find us on Twitter at SendCentral. Shoot us a note there and on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. All right, back to our NHL draft rankings. Coming in at number nine, the youngest player in university college hockey in the States, it's Canadian Matthew Wood. Yep, Matthew Wood, uh... (laughs) This guy knows one thing, Ross, and it's how to put up big numbers. You mentioned that he was the youngest player uh, playing in college and university in the States, and he put up 34 points in 35 games. But before that, he was in the BCHL and with the Victoria Grizzlies as a 16-year-old, and he put up big numbers there too in 46 games. 45 goals, 40 assists, good for 85 points in 46 games. So this kid is excelling very quickly, and he's dominating even in age groups above him and amongst his peers. This kid knows how to put the puck in the back of the net. He certainly does. He's six foot four, 193 pounds, an imposing figure. He put up the numbers you mentioned at the University of Connecticut where he only had four penalty minutes as well. You see six foot four, you see this imposing figure. You're like, oh man, he's probably pretty physical. Not the case. He's a very offensive minded player and the kind of player that you put on a power play and he is going to score in every different way. It felt like he's not in that one spot. All the highlights I'm watching, he's moving down. He's either at the bottom of the left circle for that one timer or he's curling dragging it. He really likes bringing the puck into his feet and firing off shots like that. But he's got underrated playmaking tools as well. A lot of primary assists from what I saw and a kind of guy who throughout the year really developed. And Elite Prospects noted that. I know they have him 16th, so they're still the lowest on him out of any of our scouting entities that have ranked him. But for me, 
it's kind of what could be next for Matthew Wood that can really get you excited. The skating is always going to seemingly be the issue, and that's why there's a discussion coming up about that. But before we get to it, let's look at the rankings. Chris Peters is the highest on him at 7th on his list. Scott Wheeler has him at 10th. Craig Button, 11th. Bob McKenzie, 12th. Corey Pronman, 14th. And Elite Prospect, 16th. Pilsy, if we do this Olympic style and take out the top and worst score, this guy might have the smallest range of where we're going to see him go. He's going to go between 10 and 15. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, accurate, Ross. Although, I mean, who who knows what happens on draft day. But I I would say that's a good range for Matthew Wood. And the, the thing about him is you can't talk about him without talking about that shot. Like, this kid is an elite goal scorer. He's got a lethal shot and great release. And he uses that six foot four, 193 pound frame to get to those high scoring areas with ease. Now, you mentioned he's not a very physical player. And I would agree with that. Like, you're not looking at Matthew Wood and being like, this is a power forward. Like, this kid is going to play physical. He's going to bang bodies. He's going to be, um, you know, tough to play against in that aspect. He more uses his size to get to those areas and to propel power into his shot. And you heard me mention all the goals. Like this kid uses that power to get those goals. So it's going to be interesting to see with Matthew Wood though, Ross, because I feel like he's someone that has developed a very good skill at a young age, his shot, and he's dominated using that. But what happens when you get to the pro levels and yeah, you can have a huge shot, but if you can't skate, if you can't play defense properly, if you're not able to be physical, you're going to get kind of lost in in things in the pro level up against men that have uh, more experience and are smarter, stronger, faster, etc. So I think Matthew Wood is a very good prospect now, but how does he project in the pros? I think there might be some concern there. One of the biggest questions, is he a centerman or is he a winger at the top level? I would put him on the wing just because he's not the strongest skater. He's, he's not, you know, he's not touted for his defensive abilities. And if he's on the wing, he can put himself in positions to be open for a big shot. And he just needs a setup, man. I completely agree with that. I don't think we see him play center another moment once he turns pro. But of course, he'll go back to the University of Connecticut. He helped them have their most successful season in years. But he's a Nanaimo. Nanaimo? There you go. Yeah, easy for me to say, um, but he's a guy who's still growing into his body. And again, playing junior A before this in Canada, we see a lot of the Canadians uh, take this route or even go play USHL. And it's quite the leap to go from that into an NCAA environment. So I think it's smart of him that he's able to go do that at such a young age. And it's just, it's going to be a lot of skating. Now, one of the, one of the uh, scouts that elite prospects talk to an NHL scout says, could he be a Mark Stone? type player because the smarts are there the skills there but again the question with mark stone is his skating looks awful how can he do it i think mark stone has a little bit more defensive awareness yeah. always has there it is. Right? but is is i mean we're kind of asking both our questions here at once although we're both agreeing he should be a winger yep. is he too one-dimensional to be a top six forward at the nhl level I mean, it's so early to tell. Like we mentioned, he's the youngest player in college. This is a young kid with a lot of development ahead of him. So I don't want to put any bold proclamations on him in that sense. But what I will say, Ross, is the one player that came to mind after watching video of Matthew Wood, after reading about him, after doing all my compiled research, 
But one player that came to mind for me, Philip Zadina. I really feel like this is a Philip Zadina type prospect where everybody is so enamored with how he's able to score with ease at the junior competition levels. And you just think, well, and, and I mean, I hand up, I was a Philip Zadina guy. I thought a guy that can score like this in junior, he's got to have success in the NHL and it hasn't worked out that way. He hasn't been able to round out his game and add more skills to his tool bag. And Ross Zadina is barely an NHLer. Like he's not even dominating the AHL. So this is where I have some concerns about Matthew Wood that maybe he doesn't end up rounding out his game and he just ends up being a slower lethal shot that can't find his spot in a lineup night in night out he's probably lower than number nine on my list i'd say yep agreed and i got him at three and a half stars here just because i i love the shot i love the skill i know he can score goals but there's so much more to a successful pro hockey player moving forward and chris peter says wood is unlikely to be a real driver on his line, which limits some of his value, but his goal scoring size and download play are all higher end traits. While the EP draft guide said Woods game took a significant step forward in time for the new year, showing a more projectable, compelling complement of skills that just might allow him to generate offense at the next level in a sustainable fashion. So that's where you have to remember when these kids are 17, 18 is that there's so much room left in their development. You're, you can say he's a bad skater now, but who's to say that can't take a step forward this offseason? And all of a sudden, you know that the other skills are already there. Imagine if this guy's able to start creating off the rush more. All of a sudden, he's got the down low play. He's got the shot. He's got the passing. And then now you're looking at an all-around player. So I, I just think that it's one where there's a lot of risk if, if you're taking him in a top 10 role because yes. I think there's other guys who have a little bit more um, assurance that they can project to an NHL talent, but it's going to be really interesting to see where Matthew Wood ends up in the 2023 NHL draft. For more on our NHL draft coverage, head to the YouTube channel Unlocked on Senators and check out all of our draft profiles. All right, coming up next on the Locked on Senators podcast, we have two more prospects to discuss. One of them, don't blink or you'll miss them, and the other one is a pro-ready defenseman. That's next. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sportsbook partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. And did I mention they're also America's number one sportsbook? Not too shabby. And if you're a new customer, that's even better because you get a no-sweat first bet up to 1000 Yes, you heard me, $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. You guys know it's my favorite sportsbook app to use. It's It's got everything that you need on there. And there's so many fun options. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with Same Game Parlay. You guys know I'm all over the first to five shots bet. And I've been having some luck with the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup Finals. So that's been all on FanDuel. So don't miss your chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Pilsy. Still no ownership update for the Ottawa Senators. If what? You're, if you're wondering. 
Oh, my God. I can't believe it. Can you dig it? No, I can't. Really unfortunate. Still no update on the ownership saga. But when there is, we'll have you covered here. Unlocked on Senators. In the meantime, coming in at number 10 on our Locked On Senators 2023 NHL Draft Rankings. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. It's Oliver Moore from the U.S. National Team Development Program. Ross, Oliver Moore is such an intriguing prospect to cover, and I know this is on our quote board, but we have to start off with this because it's so huge. EP has said about Oliver Moore, they have never... Ever. Never ever has elite prospects scouted a faster, more agile skater than Oliver Moore. Let that sink in. Like, this is all, this is a young man's league. It's a speed league. And he is the fastest player they have ever scouted. It's incredible. And it doesn't take you long, Ross, to figure out what they're talking about. Go look at his highlights. And the thing with Oliver Moore is, when I when I saw them say that, I was like, oh, wow, this guy must be chugging along. Like, he probably has, like, quick, powerful strides. Like, it probably it's probably obvious that he's such a fast skater. Well, it's obvious that he's a fast skater because he's blown by guys. But his strides are, they almost seem effortless. And he's able to pivot. He's able to win any loose puck battle there is. He's using his speed to be the first guy on the forecheck. Or let's say there's a turnover in transition. Not a big deal. He's whipping back and he's back uh, defending in no time. Like the speed is incredible. Incredible would be almost an understatement. This yeah. guy, like, people who are watching this, open a separate YouTube page and just type in Oliver Moore highlights. This guy flies. He, he yeah. legitimately flies. And like we talked about Matthew Wood, I would take Oliver Moore before Matthew Wood. Yes. Easily. Agreed. Agreed. I just think that you look at the, the fact that he has a separating attribute that is the direction the NHL is going. I just think is is an A-plus attribute that you can't go without. Now, last year, he was actually injured at the end of the year, so he missed his under-18s as an underager. This year, he wears a letter for Team USA. He was wearing an A for that tournament, and he put up numbers as well, uh, nine points in seven games, and he did the same at the U.S. National Team Development Program, where in, uh, I believe it was 60, yes, we got it here, 61 games. He had 31 goals, 44 assists, good for 75 points. And 26 penalty minutes. He's five foot 11, 188 pounds. I mentioned a left shot centerman. His range is a little bit wider than Matthew Wood. And, and right, you see the undersize. You're like, okay, um, maybe some scouts are taking that into consideration. But Scott Wheeler has him at seventh. Elite prospects and Rachel Dory both at number eight. Chris Peters at number 12. Craig Button at 16. Bob McKenzie only put out a top 12 right now, updated, so he's not on, in the top 12. And Corey Prodman is down at 19. Prodman's rankings are absolutely wild. Yeah, he was down on our boy Benson, and now he's down on our guy Oliver Moore here. Yeah, this is crazy. Somebody wrote in the comments on YouTube being like, we got we to ditch these rankings. But you know what? I, I appreciate the different views of opinions. Yep. Like if you look at the 2020 draft class, Look how Pronman ranked the Sens draft class versus Wheeler on the athletic. So there, it, I guess it's kind of confirmation bias. Whatever you think of a player, yeah. you're going to just chirp whoever has something different. But I do find it intriguing that there is such a range. And the Minnesota native will head to 
play for the Gophers at the University <laughs> of Minnesota next year. Dude, put him on Logan Cooley's wing, right? Matthew Nyes leaves. You put you put Oliver Moore there. Different type of player, obviously. But, man, this guy, he's going to put up a point per game in college next year. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I'm not so sure about how easily he'll be able to put up points, but I do know that his speed is going to allow him to – transition to any leveling up in competition much more easily than other people and we've already covered two-thirds of that top line in the U.S. program Ross Uh, and the thing is he was the second line center he was the second he was on the second power play unit and he was this team's top penalty killer so like he's right there with those elite guys it's just I mean it's hard to beat those elite talents so the fact that he's able to kill penalties as well we know very well what a speedster can do on a penalty kill and they can be a threat offensively. And that's what Oliver Moore can do. But the only reason I hesitate about uh, putting up such big points, Ross is he relies on his skating to get a lot of work done. And he's not exactly a finisher. Like he's got a good mid range shot. I think he, he does have offensive skill, but I'm not so convinced that he has that high-end offensive creative ability like some of these other guys we've mentioned recently. Yeah, and that, that's a fair comment, and that's what some others are saying about him as well. Like, um, you, you always lead with the skating, like Chris Peters did as well, the fastest player in the draft. And EP agrees with that in the medals they give out. Number one straight-line skater, second in four-way mobility, the second-best transition forward behind Connor Bedard, ever heard of him. Two-way forward, second best in the draft. And what I like, too, is it's the fourth fastest motor in this draft as well. And I wonder, drumroll please, if he ends up in the Motor City, Ah. where he pretty much is like a carbon copy of their captain, right? Dylan Larkin, that's who they have shades of on elite prospects. Speed, 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 but can the rest of the game develop? And who better than Dylan Larkin to kind of take him under his wing and show him that, like, hey, here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. I think that would be a perfect fit. Where Detroit's where in, in the draft order? I want to say seven. No, seven's – I think they're ninth. I'm pulling oh, okay. Now, uh, the draft order. We should have that up, though. That's all good. We got this here. They are number nine. Bang. Okay. Yep. They are, they're they're ninth and 17th. So, hey, if it's Prodman's ranking, he could be there at 17. But I okay. highly doubt that's going to be the case. But I just see that's kind of a good fit for him. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised if a team like Washington at eight took a, a high upside swing at him. But look, there's there's obviously some flaws in his game. First, I would probably say it's can his tools contribute to, to grander success? Or is he going to be a guy who just flies around the ice but doesn't do a whole lot else? Yeah, I'm confident that his tools will get to that point, Ross. And the thing is, when, like, there's a difference between being a good skater, a great skater, and an incredible skater. Like, you you don't want to pass up on someone that can skate like that because it's such a big part of this league that, like, honestly, it's just about if you can be a step ahead of your competition – that opens up so much for you, not only you, but your line mates as well. So I just see this guy playing a really good supporting role and sticking to your Detroit uh, story there, Ross. Like, look, they have so many great pieces. Like Lucas Raymond, that's a creative, elite, top talent skill. 
Then you've got Marco Casper. That's a guy that works hard. He's going to win those puck battles and he's going to be um, giving a hundred percent effort every shift. Now you add an elite speedster to that and man, they've got it covered from all angles prospect wise here. And there's probably a million other guys I'm uh, leaving out here. So I really think that uh, that could be a nice pick for Detroit. And I can see Oliver Moore being picked in that seven to 10 range. Do you think he projects as a centerman? He played second line center at the program. That's why I have him as a breakout candidate. I think that maybe moving to the wing in college could help him, especially with a guy like Logan Cooley down the middle, but maybe a team wants to take him and develop him as a centerman. I, I think he can have success in both Ross. My immediate opinion is I think he's better as a centerman because that's going to allow him to roam more and just any loose puck battle. He doesn't have to stick to his left side or right side flank or board or half wall. He can just go and get the puck and then set up his wingers now. Like I, and the thing is, I don't see him really as, as a finisher. So I don't need him on the wing waiting for the puck to get to him. I want him getting every loose puck and being first on the forecheck, first back on the back check. Like I just feel like when you're a centerman, skating is such a big part of the game that you need to utilize that and you need the freedom to roam. So personally, I would keep having him as a centerman, like you mentioned. He was second line center in the U.S. program only because everyone else on that top line is so good. Why not keep him at center uh, moving forward and see if that works? And if it doesn't, then try him on the wing. We already covered the elite prospects take on him. Scott Wheeler says he wants to hang on to the puck and make plays, but he'll also hurry it up and dominate in and out of give and goes. He's got an impressive one-timer from the right flank, which leans me to believe that he could be a winger, and can really lean into it and rip it as a catch and shoot or in stride wrister to score from the high slot. So, man, lots to like about Oliver Moore. Lots, lots, lots to like, whether it's going to be at center, on the wing. He's a player who we're going to cover a lot over the next couple of years, you think, as he kind of grows into his his frame and is able to kind of add different elements to his game is what we're kind of hoping to see. Maybe a little bit more down low play. Kind of like if, if you could build a prototype between Matthew Wood and Oliver Moore, if you took their best attributes and put them together, yep. we're talking about a guy challenging for Bedard at the first overall pick, right? Take the shot and down low presence of Matthew Wood with his size, with the speed and motor of an Oliver Moore. Like that's that's the perfect hockey player. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good hockey player. Absolutely, yeah, I'd agree with you. And and, that, and that's the thing. Like typically, you have one and not the other. Typically, either you're you're a great skater and you don't rely on your shot, or you rely on your shot and you're not a great skater. So, yep, very interesting. For more on our NHL draft rankings, head over to the Locked On Senators YouTube page. All right, Pilsy. Coming in at number 11 on our NHL draft rankings. Our first defenseman, and it's out of the top 10, which is wild to think because since 2003, there's been a defenseman or more taken in the top five. Not top 10, top five. Five Coming in at number 11 from the Swiss League, it's Austrian right shot defenseman David Reinbacker. Yep, David Reinbacker is our first defenseman that we're covering here. And yeah, Ross, we've been doing this for a couple of years and it is odd to see no defenseman, especially Ross, when you've got a defenseman like David Reinbacker that is has good size, pro experience already, 
and a right shot. Like usually that that those three attributes alone will sneak you into the top 10 just because that's what everyone's looking for right now. It's hard to find those guys. And the only reason Reinbacker is further down this list is because of the elite forward talent at the top. This is not a detriment to Reinbacker's abilities or, or where he projects. It's more just showing how elite that forward talent is this year. It's so good. But the thing yeah. with Reinbacker is you're not taking a swing on upside. You're getting an extremely projectable top four defenseman as soon mm-hmm. as two years. I think that him playing as much as he has in the Swiss League is only going to benefit him in the long run. You look at what he did in the National League in Switzerland at 17 years old, averaging 20-plus minutes with Cloten. 46 games, three goals, 19 assists, 22 points, and 26 penalty minutes. Pilsy, this isn't in a junior league. This is playing against men. That's incredible. And he's a guy who at the start of the season, it's like, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick. And now it's everybody's taking notice that this is a talent that could make all the way up to the top 10. Everybody but Craig Button's on board. Yeah, for real. Yeah, Craig Button is not on board on that. Uh, I'll let you go through the rankings in a second. But the key thing too, Ross, and if you're not watching on YouTube, our big kind of stat about Rhinebacker is, sure, lots of people play in pro leagues in their in their draft year or even in their draft minus one year. But this guy is a top four defenseman. He's averaging 20 plus minutes in the Swiss Pro League and he led their team in even strength ice time average. And he also finished with a plus plus minus on a struggling team. So that just goes to show you that he's not just there surviving. Like he is a big part of that team winning and losing hockey games. It's incredible to see the growth just in one season for David Reinbacker. He's all the way up at six on Corey Pronman's list. Elite prospects has him at nine. Chris Peters and Bob McKenzie have him at 10. Scott Wheeler has him at 15th and Craig Button all the way down at 24. That brings it to an average of 12.3. He's six foot two, 185 pounds in Pilsy. All NHL teams love having right shot defensemen. It seems a little bit harder to get them via trade. As the Senators found out the hard way, they had to go and get another lefty instead. But man, this guy is, you can just see him in a year or two getting into a role in, in a top four. I don't think this guy is going to play much in the AHL. I think maybe one more year over in Europe or maybe a year a check where he does play one year in the AHL, but it's right away. And then he's he's going to make the jump. I, I see this guy as a very safe, low or high floor guy that's going to play in the NHL sooner rather than later. Yep, I would agree with that. And uh, lots of people, David St. Louis of uh, EP mentions there's shades of Moritz Seider here. Uh, Moritz Seider, German, uh, Rheinbacher, Austrian. So kind of similar spots uh, geographically and similar career paths. They both went through the pro leagues in Europe and now they're heading over to North America. So, or at least Rheinbacher will be. Um, I I think Rheinbacher is a really good shutdown defenseman. He uses his range. He's got good range and good gap control when being attacked. It's one of those defensemen, Ross, where you're looking at highlights of him and you're like, oh, like, there's nothing that really screams out at you or there's not insane highlight reel plays. Well, that's because just like Jacob Chikrin, he stops offensive attacks on the uh, in the neutral zone before they even get a chance to get to um, 
his own end, and he has to make a big play to save him. Like, he's just shutting it down before it's even a problem, which is great. And not only that, but this is a shutdown defenseman that is a one-man breakout. He can skate the puck up the ice with ease, weaving around opponents and getting into the zone. Now, is he going to finish that play off offensively? Probably not. I don't see a whole lot of offensive upside to this guy's game. But if you've got a big right-hand shot shutdown defenseman that can break the puck out, you don't need much offense there. Like, he's already doing two-thirds of the work. You just need some talented guys on forward or um, a yin and yang partner, a more offensive defensive uh, – uh, sorry, a more offensive defenseman partnered with him on the left side – and I think he can be a part of a really successful line. So Reinbacker for me, Ross, sure, the rankings maybe move him down a little bit more. But if we're doing mock draft style, I would be shocked if a team doesn't pick him in the top 10. Call your shot then. Which team is going to take him in the top 10? Could it be St. Louis at 10, Detroit at 9, Washington at 8, Philly at 7? Are you going top 6, Arizona, Montreal, San Jose? No, not top 6. You know what? I could see Washington doing that. I think that would be a great fit for him. Yeah. And, like, I just want to kind of rewind to one sentence you said there. A defensive defenseman who's a one-man breakout. Like, isn't that a coach's dream? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, like... Don't pay attention too much about the offense and maybe he's not the guy you rely on on the power play or anything like that, but he doesn't need to do that because he's so good at everything else. Is he a little Jake Sanderson in him? Uh, no, Jake Sanderson has much more offensive capabilities in my mind. And Reinbacker uses his size more than Jake Sanderson. Jake Sanderson ha- has elite hockey IQ. Like he's just right. so smart out there. So I, I wouldn't really compare those two personally. Yeah, that's fair. Rock solid, projectable two-way defenseman when you're looking at David Reinbacker. And even just look at the the number, like the analytics that uh, elite prospects track during the World Juniors. He's in the 99th percentile in 74 minutes. And that's playing for Austria, a team that didn't do a whole lot at the World Juniors this year. So David Reinbacker, an incredible talent. He'll be the first defenseman, we believe, to hear his name called at the National Hockey League draft. And if he's not, and your team gets him, that's pretty good for David Reinbacker. For more on the NHL draft, make sure you're on Locked On Senators YouTube for all of our draft profiles. All right, Pilsy, any final thoughts on today's show? We're really getting into a rhythm here with the draft profiles. And, of course, we'll always have a sense topic for you each and every day. But what do you have some final thoughts for today's show? Well, I'll stick to my theme of uh, final thoughts being about the Stanley Cup Finals. And, Ross, Radko Gudis will not be playing in Game 3 for the Florida Panthers. Not true, as of one minute ago. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Update me then. (laughs) One minute ago, Elliot Friedman, Florida coach Paul Maurice says Radko Gudis is expected to play tomorrow. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll scratch that. Um, so that's Bobrovsky in goal confirmed. Yeah. Okay. I figured that. Um, that's good for Florida because what I was about to lead into, Ross, is Florida does not have a lot of defensive depth. So if Gudis is out, that's a big loss for them. So that's good for Florida here. I think Florida takes. Florida's going to win one of these home games. I'm confident of that. And then they're going to lose one of them in overtime. And then Vegas is is going to finish off the gentleman's sweep game five. That's how I see this going. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way it goes, unfortunately, as my Florida pants. You know they're charging $100 for parking? 
And did you see $44 US for a margarita at the Vegas game? Well, yeah, but I, I told you, remember when I went to San Francisco for my birthday and we were at a concert? It, it was a double, but it was $44 US for a double. So I got I asked for two vodka sodas. Vodka sodas. Health like drinks. a margarita, at least you have to shake the damn thing. You didn't even have to shake this. You literally just pour vodka, you pour soda, you put ice. He hands it to me, $88 US. I walk back to the seat. I said, Rach, you're going to have to sip this one slow. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, so that's just these U.S. cities, man. They'll get you. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Now I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know in the comments if you have any topics, senators related, you want us to get to. Otherwise, we'll surprise you with one tomorrow. But for today, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.